Hello, my truth-seeking mates. This is Julissa, your host for Truthfully Thinking. This is a podcast where theology, apologetics, and a thinking lifestyle merge. Thank you so much for being here. This is episode 26 of the series Finding God's Will. This is part five. If you have not heard parts one through four, please do that before you listen to this so that it makes sense. Um, This will not um, be making very much sense if you are not listening to parts one through four. Um, so hopefully you've done that before we dig into or dive into, I said dig into, well, dive into, um, this part of finding God's will. First, I want to say that the struggle was real this week. So I'm a teacher and I have, um, so ever since December, yeah, since December, before we went on our Christmas break, um, We had two weeks of Christmas break, you know, and of course, you guys know I got COVID and all that stuff, but then we got snow. So we got an extra week off from um, working and going into school. Well, I still had to work, but I wasn't going into the school. So we still had that like week after that. And then the week after that, it snowed some more. So while we did go in and worked, we had some days off as well. And then the week after that as well. So this is the first full week that we've been in school. And the struggle was real. Like getting up every day and going into school and doing that that shift as usual. I was already used to like not going into work every day and it was really a struggle and today was even more of a struggle with how cold it was it's snowing outside um just a lot of stuff but here we are and we are now going to go on to our very last part of the series today is going to be the s number five plus the conclusion for this series so i hope it is very very helpful as it and I hope it's as help as it has been for me ever since I read the book. So in case you don't know what I'm talking about, it's um, the book is Found God's Will um, by Don MacArthur. And it is absolutely amazing book. This is what I based this series on. And the four S's that I'm talking about are the previous S's that I went over in our um previous parts. And the first one is salvation. The second one is saturation. The third one is sanctification. And the fourth one was submission. So um, those are your four S's that you want to review and listen to before we move on, because our fifth S is the one that nobody likes, which is suffering. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that everybody dislikes the other four just a little bit, except for maybe the first one, because that one's just so much easier to to um, live. No, that's not the word. The first one, salvation, is a little easier to accept. That's the word I was looking for. The rest are kind of like require a lot of effort from us and a lot of humbling and a lot of putting our pride aside. And this is no, no exception, but suffering though requires pain as well, which is the part that I think every human being naturally and instinctively tries to avoid. So 
Um, to start off, I'm going to go to 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19, and I'm going to read it for you. It's actually um, subtitled Christian Suffering, very appropriate, and it says, Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you, uh, among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief, an evildoer or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who obey the gospel of God, who disobey the gospel of God? And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a... Hold on. So then, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator, creator while doing what is good. So Peter's point here is pretty simple and plain. He is saying, look, if you're going to suffer because, you know, you've done something wrong, you killed someone, you stole something, you broke the law, you were butting in where you weren't supposed to, then so be it. You you deserve to suffer for that because you shouldn't be doing those things anyway. But if you suffer for the gospel, for the cause of Christ, for his kingdom, then welcome it and rejoice in that suffering. Yes, he's saying to feel joy in that suffering. Um, and I think non-Christians have a very difficult time with this concept where they don't see how you could feel suffering or pain, but also feel peace and joy at the same time. Um, and I, I believe that the, the, that's because obviously they lack that peace, they lack that joy, so obviously they're not going to understand but whenever I talk to people and I'm trying to explain that, what I like to like um, talk to them about is like when someone has, say, a tumor and they're going to go to surgery and maybe it's going to be um, the chances of success are really, really high. So there's this sense. And then after the surgery is done, you know, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of um uh, physical therapy or treatments or medication or what or rest what what have you after but while while you're in pain in you know that surgery where where they cut you open that's gonna hurt you're still gonna be very happy about the fact that you are you're feeling that because something that was killing you was inside of you and is now gone and there's a sense of relief there's there's that peace that I don't have this tumor anymore. I, I'm, I'm in pain, but I actually am happy because that pain means that this surgery happened. It's a reminder of that surgery. So I like to maybe do that small comparison with people who have a hard time understanding this. But in any case, that was like a side note. Um, but the point I'm trying to make here is that if you're a Christian who's who's living a sanctified life, who's actually trying to live in holiness um, in this ungodly world, then it's not a matter of if you will suffer. It's a matter of when will you suffer? 
or if you already are, then you're actually living it. Um, the thing about being a Christian is that it involves living a holy life in the midst of a very evil, wicked, broken world. And that is naturally, consequentially, um, and expectedly going to bring persecution because the world doesn't want Jesus. Ever since Jesus has been, came to us, and even before then, the world didn't want him. Um, the world has been rejecting Jesus since he came to us. It never stopped. So because they don't want Jesus, they don't want those who also follow him, live for him, die for him. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to the next passage, which is in Philippians 1, 27 to 30. Um, so it says like, it says the following, just one thing as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation. And this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I have. So here we find that um, <clears throat> we are once again being encouraged um, in the midst of suffering. And I, I also want to point out um, in verse 29 here and it says for it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf not only to believe in him but also to suffer for him listen to the words he picks here for it has been granted to you basically you have given the up you have been given the opportunity on on Christ's behalf not just to believe and trust him but also to suffer for him um, um Paul is making this into an actual opportunity. It's a gift to suffer for Christ. That's what he's saying here. So um, we are, I want to emphasize that we are actually quite replaceable. Okay. And, and I know a lot of people don't like to hear this because, you know, as human beings, we want to feel like we're super important and like, you know, nobody can take our place and blah, blah. And while it's true that we're unique in the sense that you have unique DNA, like nobody has your DNA, um, nobody can be you. God created you in this unique way. It does not mean that you're re you're not replaceable just because you have unique DNA and you have unique um, traits and unique um etc. <laughs> um, we are very replaceable for the cause of Christ. And if you're not willing to suffer for him, somebody else will. His plans are not going to stop because of what we're willing or not willing to do. But the reason I say that is because you need to understand that you're not going to be accepted by a world that hates Jesus. And it's, it's time that we stop expecting that and that we stop trying to make it so um you cannot be accept accepted by the world and be affected effective for the lord you cannot be 
loved, welcomed, accepted, and never rejected by anybody in the world, in the secular world, in the wicked world, um, and at the same time be effective for the kingdom of God. It's just not going to happen. So if it if it seems to you like you're being accepted and loved and everyone loves you, everyone wants to be around you, and there is no, there is absolutely not and never a time in your life where you're um, hated or you're not suffering for the gospel, you might be watering down the gospel to fit what those people want to hear. And that's a very dangerous thing you're doing. Do not water down the gospel. That's a very, very dangerous thing to do. I would like to go to Acts now. And we're going to go to Acts 4. And that's going to be verse 8 through 12. I'm going to read it for you. It says, Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to him, Rulers of the people and elders, if we were being examined today about a good deed done to disabled men, by what means he was by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by your builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. So here is a here is a very good example where Paul and John are before the council, okay? They are being confronted and being told to stop. They're, they have been arrested for healing a man, basically, okay? So can you imagine being arrested for healing someone? They had provided healing to a person and instead of being um of people being grateful for this um healing he brought they brought to this man they were angry and they were arrested and so paul and john are standing up for themselves and and they are they're talking and letting them know like hey we didn't do anything wrong we're just you know, talking about Jesus. And then in verse 29, it says, Peter and John answer them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. So like right between the verse 13 and verse 19 that I just read, right in between there, they, the, the Sanhedrin start, start scheming and start saying, hey, we should threaten them so that they stop talking about Jesus. And so they told them, hey, you guys need to stop talking and teaching about the name of Jesus. And so then Peter and John are like, well, look, uh, you tell us, is it right for us to listen to you instead of listening to God? Basically, he they're like, right at that moment, they put them like in a rough spot because whichever way they answered, they were going to end up looking bad. Um. And then you see that in verse 29 of this same passage, I'm going to read it. It says, and now, Lord, consider consider their threats. So here they are. They're saying, hey, you heard what they're threatening us with. And grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness. Listen to what they say. They don't say, hey, you heard their threats, God. Please take away this suffering you know, please take it away. No, they say, grant us, you know, basically the boldness, give us the courage 
to speak about your word, even though we have been threatened, even though they threatened us, we still want to speak your word, but give us boldness, give us courage to do this. And it's very amazing how we sound very different from them. Instead of asking God to give us courage to overcome suffering for his cause, we will ask God to take away suffering for his cause. Verse 31 says, When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. The suffering did not stop them. Rather, um, instead of them being stopped, they were encouraged and empowered with the courage that God gave them. And let me make it very clear that the point is not to make ourselves some kind of martyr victims and glorify our suffering by saying things like, oh my gosh, I'm so spiritual. Look how much I'm suffering for Christ. I'm so amazing. Um, you know, that's not the attitude we're supposed to be taking. The point is to have the courage to expand the kingdom of God at any cost, even at the cost of our lives. That is the point, that we are all willing to lose our lives for the cause of his kingdom, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never water down the gospel. If the truth offends them, then let it offend them. John MacArthur has really good saying. I think he might mention mentioned in this book too. He says, look, people have been living their whole lives offending God. So don't water down the gospel. Let these people be offended, even if just for that moment, because they've lived their lives offending God and they don't care that they have. We're going to go to Colossians one twenty four, and it says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for you and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's affliction for his body. That is the church. Can you imagine? This is Paul basically saying, I've done my part for suffering for the gospel. I am doing my part of suffering for the gospel. And I ask you, are you doing your part for suffering for the gospel? So what is God's will? Well, his will is that you are saved. That's salvation. His will is that you are saturated or filled with the Holy Spirit. His will is that you are sanctified live a sanctified life by being separated of sexual immorality, by controlling your body, by mastering your passions and treating others fairly and justly. His will is that you are submitted to your authorities, to your parents, to your church, to any authorities around you. And number five, that you may suffer and that you may live up to that suffering, whatever it takes for Christ to rejoice in it so that so that that you are encouraged to be willing to die even for the gospel if necessary. If you're doing these five things, if you're living these five things, then guess what? You're doing God's will. We don't find God's will, we live God's will. And at this point, you can pretty much do what you want. Because if you do what you want, what you want is grounded on these five principles, which means that what you want is going to be molded to God's will. 
Um, we find some examples in the Bible where these situations happen. Acts 16, 6 through 10, when Paul is going to Asia Minor and he wants to go to the cities of Ephesus and Smyrna and um, Philadelphia and all these other cities. And we find how on his way over there, God makes it so that he ends up in Macedonia, um, Macedonia instead. That's a great example from where Paul is just kind of just making plans. Hey, I'm going to go over here. But then God makes sure that he ends up where he wants him, where God wants him. The healing of, um, I forgot his name, Aeneas. Um, it happened while Peter was traveling. Um, and through that healing, you have um, um, Lyda and Saren, I think it's in English, um, being saved that's in acts 9 32 to 35 so you see if you just live your life doing god's will making sure you're just making the plans that you have following your passions uh, fo following um the things that you um are drawn to while living these five things god will put you where he needs you where he not needs you never god never needs anyone um god will put you where he wants you um and will open and close our doors wherever he wants. So the conclusion to all of this is that if you live the person, if you are the person, if you are living, being the person that God wants you to be, and that is he wants you to live these five S's. If you are doing that, you can follow your desires because guess what? Like I said, your desires will be molded to his will. And you will fulfill his will. It's as simple as that. There's no magic to it. There's no mystical revelations, no visions, no mysteries. You're simply living what he commanded you to live in the word by living these five S's. And if you do this, you will then be doing his will, living his will instead of trying to find his will. And with that, please do not forget to follow my social networks on Twitter and Instagram. It is Verdaderamente P in Spanish and Truthfully Think in English. I say goodbye to all my truth-seeking mates, wishing that your minds gradually understand the truth is a Christian's priority. Even if it hurts or it makes you uncomfortable, practicing truth will make us better servants of our Lord. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed. This has changed my life. My perspective on everything in life completely was transformed after this. I was no longer trying to find God's will, but rather living it, which is so much better than trying to find something that was never lost. God bless everyone. Till next time.